Hey guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Welcome to the Sludge Pit, Troglodytes. <laughs> Should that be our catchphrase? Like, the, the, we, we open with that? So I wonder if we need to to do sections, like uh, segments in the podcast, like here's the Grind Boys, where we talk about all the exploitation movies, or, you know, like... <laughs> Exploy Boy or something like that, or like the Sludge Pit, yeah, or, yeah, you know, the Giallo the Hole, video nasty nook, yeah. the video nasty nook. <laughs> All right, so now we need to do a thing called the video nasty nook for this. Um, yeah, that's one hundred percent. Also, and like some kind of like Zoo Crew morning punch up sound effects, like oh my, <laughs> or, like you know. like burner. And it like plays right before we talk about like exploitation movies. Uh, I and, and the thing is, I I could just um, the th- I'm I'm so bummed out that the Monster Mash is not public domain, but probably that's for the best because I would play it in the background the entirety of the podcast on a loop. Have you ever watched the live video of the Monster Mash? Uh, no. So Bobby Pickett performed on, like, TV shows, like, I don't know, American Bandstand or some shit. Mm -hmm. And he does all those voices himself, but he does, like, crazy eyebrow dancing alongside. (laughs) I tried to say that straight, and I couldn't. He does eyebrow (laughs) dancing, right? I love a good bit of eyebrow dancing. Like, if you can move that physicality over to your face, that's, you know, you're in good territory. Oh, man. Let's talk about this, uh... This grindy goodness, Raw Force. Oh my god, Raw Force. Which I believe is also released, a.k.a. Kung Fu Cannibals. <laughs> Which, I, I don't know why you would call it Raw Force and not Kung Fu Cannibals. If Well, Raw Force adds some gravitas to the whole endeavor. Well, Raw Force makes me immediately think of Raw Power by, by Iggy and the Stooges, which makes me like it immediately. Yeah. Um, it's... <laughs> This movie. <laughs> Holy shit. Now, th- there's so much to unpack in this movie, which, by the way, actually, right before we get into that, uh, I th- uh, we thought it would be kind of cool to uh, give our number one movie and our number 139 movie uh, to give you uh, a ceiling and a floor uh, for the podcast, because, yes. of course, we're doing every single horror movie ever, and we are in this, motherfuckers, we are in this for the long haul. When our grandchildren are old and gassy, we will still be plugging away at this list thousands deep um we cannot die until the <laughs> list is complete exactly it's like no it, it's kind of like how uh, walt whitman was still editing leaves of grass like up until his death and and that's going to be us with like gnarly <clears throat> horror movies um so the number speaking wait wait, wait. Oh, okay. speaking of can't die so i've been re-watching ducktales because my four-year-old has discovered ducktales for the first time ever oh i'm so glad for him There is a dude, like, one of the main antagonists for a long chunk is a conquistador who has not died sheerly because he wants wants to get his gold back. So, by sheer force of will, he's been alive for hundreds of years to get his gold. Because he's just gold. And he's got, like, a Dr. Claw voice, and he just keeps saying, My gold! That is some proper ghost shit. Is just you've got you've got your one thing that you care about. You got one phrase, and you just yell that phrase until you get the thing that you want. Yeah, 
That's how that works. Now I hurt my voice. So uh, <laughs> while I go get a drink of water, go tell our listeners what uh, <laughs> that that feel what our numbers are. that feel when you pull your vocal cord from doing the Doctor Claw voice. Uh, so the number one movie on our list is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And by the way, folks, it was a really if you haven't um, listened to that episode where we talked about it, it was a real close fucking race between that Halloween and Alien. Um, and then, uh, bottom of the list, we have, uh, Night of Something Strange, which I think is one of the worst things I've ever watched. Although we are doing, uh, a movie on today's episode that I'm, I'm not going to completely rag on because we got a screener and they were very nice. Um, but I, it's, it's not, I, I, I'm not very high on that movie. And then like right above Night of Something Strange is like Hellraiser Revelations and Grime Wave Cockface 3. Uh, so we uh, are nothing if not eclectic in our taste. I love my favorite thing about this show is when we have guests and they say, "Have you watched all these movies?" And we're like, "Yeah." Oh, buddy. And they're like, "Oh no." Which honestly, selfishly, like this podcast is um, has been very, very helpful for me in. Um, going to Dead Right Horror Trivia every month um, <laughs> at this at this place in uh, L.A. Um, called Blast from the Past, and like, and 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 this is this room is full of fucking ghouls who are like properly in the industry, and they make horror movies and they write books about horror movies, and like the first night you go to Horror Trivia, you feel like a fucking scrub because everybody else there are like they have encyclopedic knowledge of horror, and you're like, I think I saw Halloween once and then so but it's been like since going to that uh it's it's been good because watching horror is pretty much what i do now so it has been a positive influence upon my life i'm glad because there are times when i watch some of these movies <laughs> and i'm like what am i doing yeah that's exactly I, I think we've done that i'm a professional <laughs> with a family you, you, you pay taxes you're a goddamn family man and then, yeah, I, I think it's just us, like, messaging each other, like, why the fuck are we watching Dracula Untold? Why is this our... Yeah. Um, so, that's... So, anyway, so the movie we're getting into uh, for, uh, right off the bat, hot out of the gate, is Raw Force. Now, yes. Kung Fu Cannibals, the first thing you need to know about this movie is titties. Um, so many titties. Okay, so the poster says, the price, a pound of flesh for a pound of jade. The cargo, women from the four corners of the earth, caged, cowed, cannibalized. Yeah, that and is some like I need a shower that's now. That's fucking that rough, is awful. man. Like, and it's like you think, and to... it's like a women in a, the bamboo cage and like oh, a sure. pound of jade in front of them. And... Yeah, it's like a sword and sandal movie as made by perverts. Um, yeah, and it's you know you watch stuff like that and you're kind of like I like to you know I I try to be a good person try to lead a, an honest good life and here i am watching kung fu cannibals and the thing about it is it's not even all like gross uh, like oh women in cages stuff it's a bunch of like people on a boat hanging yeah, out Yeah, that's the thing is it swerves you real hard because it starts with nazi like hitler yeah is it actually hitler um he's he's like he's like fake hitler he's like he looks like the jimmy hart wcw knockoff entrance music version of hitler where he's like yeah. hatler he's he's hatler. um he's waldorf hatler and yeah so hatler and waldorf uh, fly this plane 
to this island in the uh, South Pacific. Mm-hmm. And by the way, apparently cannibalism is just a thing in Filipino movies. There are a lot of go to an island in the Philippines and there are cannibals. See, the only movies. the only Philippine murder convention I'm familiar with is the My Way killings. Are you familiar with this? I don't even know the My Way. Oh, killings. buddy, what is this? you gotta you gotta Google this. It's um the My Way killings. There's been a string of murders in the Philippines because um as you know, like in the Philippines, karaoke real fucking big. Everybody like it's a huge thing, and apparently if you get up at karaoke and you do My Way by Frank Sinatra, there is an even chance you will get murdered before the night You're is over. You're lying. I I shit thee Shut not. The fuck if I'm up. lying, I'm dying. People, if you sing My Way, some like. You will get murdered, and and not you will, but you, you know maybe don't maybe don't fuck around with that. Like there are so many songs, and then I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, is the American thing with that "Don't Stop Believing" because that's usually when I want to do some murder at karaoke, is when someone and and like there are a few theories about why my, the My Way Killings happen because it's like, you know, it's it's got a lot of weird um like. runs in it and it kind of takes a lot of skill to do well and so maybe if somebody fucks it up real bad at karaoke you want to kill them for putting you through that or it could be like you know imagine your rival or some dude that you hate has gotten up there and started singing this fucking braggadocio filled frank sinatra song while making smarmy eye contact with your girlfriend and like maybe you'd you know want to stab him or something um yeah, I guess so. Oh, it also says that Videoki Rage has been tied to Coldplay's Yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just a, that's just a shoot. Like, that's just who doesn't get? You, if you do Yellow at karaoke, I have no sympathy for you for whatever happens after that because you go you go to karaoke for a good time and you don't want to hear some guy who sounds like he's doing the Thorzine Shuffle just took out the star. Um. Anyway, right. So raw force though. Um, so Raw Force is on Shudder, right. which is a sponsor of ours. So what up, Shudder? Hey guys, it's also a Vinegar Syndrome production. Uh, God damn it, I love Vinegar Syndrome. Fucking praise hands emoji. They legitimately, I you know, and it's not shilling because we were in our we we, we were DMing earlier today, just going, I fucking love the Vinegar Syndrome guys. Like they 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 do good things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good news. We do have a review copy of Bloodbeat. So in a couple of episodes, we will cover Bloodbeat. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Which is about a, a woman on her honeymoon that gets possessed by the spirit of a samurai <laughs> and kills a bunch of people. Now we're fucking talking. And yeah, Vinegar Syndrome, they, they just find all these, like, <clears throat> forgotten, hidden gems that I and you and everyone you know has never seen. And... I mean, obviously, like, I'm, I, and, and not that we're, like, authorities on horror movies, like, we're ghouls, but we're, you know, as, as previously mentioned with the people at Dead Right Horror Trivia, there are people out there who know way, and so, like, way more about it, and so much more about it, but, anyway, Vinegar Syndrome, like, they will, they will show you, uh, fear in a handful of forgotten DVDs. Yeah, so Raw Force is, like, it starts with the most tits to ever tit. Oh my god! It reminded me of the fucking the boob monster from um, what was that movie we did at the Gantz? Ga- no, yeah, Gantz. That's the one. Yeah, like, hey, let's render a, a monster made out of boobs. <laughs> it's just like this literal. So I also like to believe that because this was an American Philippine uh, co-production, mm-hmm. someone said. Like, something got lost in translation where they're like, 
you know, cannibal monks. And the costume designer was like, yes, monks. And dressed these <laughs> Filipino actors in European medieval monk costumes. Absolutely. You know those and cannibal the, monks. someone else was like, not that one. <laughs> it's like, look, me and my, my, my sister was up all night sewing these fucking monk robes. You're going you're gonna to wear them and we're going to film this. We don't have time for this. So, fake Hitler, right? Waldorf hires Wal- Waldorf some toughs Hitler. who you know are toughs because they're wearing Mickey Mouse half T-shirts and they have feathered earrings and ponytails, right? And like one of them is wearing a motorcycle helmet with a, a swastika painted on it. Yeah, like parts of this look like a Frank Miller comic where people are just running around with like swastika nipple pasties, basically, like using made up street tough language. And the the other funny thing about this movie is like so with um as previously uh, mentioned the titties, I I would say about 15 minutes into this movie, I was sort of like, okay, enough. No more, please. Yeah, but then it shifts tone. It's so weird. It's like because three different it's movies. Like, okay, this is going to be some like cannibal plot thing because we learn the cannibal monks eat the flesh of women so that they can get magic to resurrect disgraced martial arts legends who commit (laughs) ritual suicide on the monk's island so the monks get their power from eating these women and then they have an army of zombie martial artists. Yeah, they're they're playing the long game for sure. Like, this plan has a lot of moving parts and... And they have so much disposable jade (laughs) income that they're like... We have nothing to do with this jade. Just take it and give us our our tit meat. Right, eat. exactly. And the jade especially, I like how... Uh, I, now, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I could take the Pepsi challenge with fake jade versus real jade. Um, the, it looked like solidified uh, gak. Or guano. It's yeah. just like, sure. It Actually, it looks, for all for all intents and purposes, you could hand me a glowing chunk of the aggro crag, and I would not know the difference. <laughs> yeah, it's it's some straight-up uh, Nickelodeon gut shit going on. And so it takes place on a, 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 a cruise ship, a large part of this movie on the side. Okay, a bargain cruise of the <laughs> South Asia, the South China Sea. A cut Right, rate... would you go on a bargain cruise to south china sea i wouldn't go on a fancy cruise anywhere like that's my version of hell is being trapped on a boat with strangers and not enough jade in the world to get me on this fucking party boat absolutely not this is a party boat like the thing that i like about parties is going home from the party and if i'm trapped out on international waters with drunk people um I was now this um, side side note by the way. Uh, I was um, there's this podcast called Case File, and it's this uh, lovely Australian fella, and he he does it. And they uh, just did an episode a bit ago on um, a thing that happened where a woman went missing on a cruise ship in the '90s, and this was like a huge thing for um, legislators to actually address and deal with what happens on cruise ships if you're like an American national, because it used to be back in the day. Any fucking thing could happen to you on one of these ships, and because it's out of everyone's jurisdiction, because it's out on international waters, no one's doing shit about it. 
Ryan, you got me shook. I'm sorry. That's yeah, absolutely. Like if you're if you're out on a boat in the void of the ocean with strangers, shit could get real dicey, and it does in raw force because there's fucking kung fu and cannibalism and titties. So the local martial arts club from some <laughs> sure. generic town South Car- South mm-hmm. California mm-hmm. takes a cruise together, and one of the kung fu heroes has a crush with a married woman, but don't worry, the married woman's husband is a total scrub and takes the kung fu guy to a cat house when they land in this generic Asian town. For, a, cl- uh, a classic bamboozle. You know, hey, come on and go to the cat house with me. <laughs> so it's like, okay, he's a dick. And right. then finally, at the end of the movie, spoilers, the douche dies so that our kung fu hero can actually get with the hot pretty girl. Which is weird and kind of puritanical for that to be the bottleneck on this happening, where it's like, look, I mean, we've got cannibal monks and people in cages. We've got crazy fucking people's heads getting spin kicked off. But, I mean, cheating, also, cheating's just not cool. shoots a bazooka from the hip. <laughs> with, no, with no recoil. Like, it's not a big deal. None. And he also... When at the end of the movie, so long story short, the Kung Fu Cruise runs afoul, the Nazi runs afoul of the Kung Fu Cruise because they want to see this island. And mm-hmm. these uh, Kung Fu folks get tied up with monks, and the monks say, You got to prove yourselves to us so that we'll loan you a boat. And they have to fight Kung Fu zombies. But they, the, the, our heroes get these assault rifles from the Nazis mm-hmm. and like the guy holds a bazooka to these monks like I'm gonna shoot you if you don't give me what I want and I don't care that this is a piece of artillery right it gets real fucking weird and, and also it's a sex comedy because the boat is just a bunch of weird jokes about like everyone's in a like total rager and yeah. like that bartender is breaking ice with his head. That, that like... I was actually just about to bring that up because I that's my I think one of my favorite moments in the movie is when she's like, "Could I have I don't know like a, whatever it was like a Manhattan on the rocks," and a dude behind the counter who looks like um, a young scary version of my favorite college professor. Um, he's like, "Sure, coming right up." Ah, and then he just headbutts a giant block of ice, instant crushed ice for this Manhattan. Yes, yes. And then asks another person if they want to drink and does it with a second block of ice. <laughs> That's like, I don't think that guy knows how to make drinks. That's just like the one thing he can do. And they were like, all right, well, look, this is a budget cruise. So someone asks you for a Manhattan or, you know, whatever. Just pour some shit in there, but make sure you do that fucking trick with your skull and break some ice. So it's really... Plot is really uh, vestigial in this film. It's just a bunch of <laughs> bonkers images thrown <laughs> upon the screen for a fleeting moment. This that movie... all adds to you just going, "What?" Yeah, this movie was constructed via Mad Lib. Although, like going back to the thing you were saying about it being basically like a really bad '70s sex comedy, because yes, a large portion of this movie is. Um, a lot of this movie is just like the hot bants with um, a bunch of silly white people on a boat, and. I think my, my favorite moment in the entire movie is like they're, you know, kind of sitting around talking and the lady, uh, 
sort of looks at one of the guys and goes, you know, my, my guy uh, can't get off if I don't do a striptease for him first. And he's like, but what? And she's like, yeah, it's called a fetish. And then she explains what a fetish is to this dude. <laughs> and it's amazing because, like, all I can picture is uh, Dennis Reynolds from It's Always Sunny just, this fetish, this fetish shit. Um, so, yeah, this it's, it's like a sex comedy mashed up with a horror movie, kind of, but then also there's kung fu and... And the timing is very, like, laugh-in quality. Oh, like, yeah. that whole... There's, like, a, like... That party scene goes on for half the movie. Man, it, it, it just And it's just one-liner after one-liner after... Oh, look at this awkward guy who can't unbutton a pair of jeans. Oh, my God. That, that was some... It was like I was watching an IRL's Leisure Suit Larry movie because this guy could not <laughs> fucking figure out how clothes worked. And we're watching this uncomfortably on screen for, like, a solid two minutes. Meanwhile, the girl that he's with doesn't care because she just continues drinking. And is just like, yeah, I, whatever. I'm not really interested. See, that, see, that's a fucking power move because she's like, whatever. You know what? If you want to do the work of getting, of peeling my denim 70s outfit off of me... Fucking go My nuts. painted on dinner. <laughs> right, that that I was um that, that I had to be like squished into with a shoehorn. Uh, I'm just gonna get I'm just gonna keep drinking. So you you know what? You keep plugging away at that and I'm just gonna yeah, that's fine. Um, okay. So Slaughterhouse is a vinegar syndrome release and it's number sixty three. Mm-hmm. Is this movie <laughs> better or worse than slaughterhouse keeping in mind that piranhas show up and eat a man they do that's out true. of nowhere saltwater piranhas that is now and actually i i now here's the thing i um and they say oh man those south china seas piranhas are the worst kind of piranhas <laughs> i've said that a million times it's that classic fucking thing about piranha um i here's the thing i'm i gotta put it above slaughterhouse because i love slaughterhouse but Slaughterhouse is almost like a reasonable thing because you know exactly what it is, like right out of the right out of the gate. You know what this movie is about. Um, Raw Force. I went in cold and was continually screaming uh, as things happened. So I'm I'm giving the edge to uh, Raw Force slash uh, what was it? Cannibal. Cannibal. <laughs> Kung Fu. Kung Fu cannibals. Oh, see so there. We, oh, above. The Devil um, Slaughterhouse. The mm. next Vinegar Syndrome movie is The Hearse. I Ooh. don't think it's as good as The Hearse oh, it's because The Hearse not. is a good movie. Yes, that's cr- no. The Hearse is a fucking classy movie. Is the thing, and it's actually really, really good. Um, so yeah, I'm. I'm. The Hearse is definitely better than that. I do think this is all right. Actually, I think I know where I would put this. I don't think it's as it's as good as Hello Mary Lou Prom Night Two. I do think it's better than the Neon Demon. Oh, it's definitely better than the <laughs> Neon Demon for bug shit. What the hell is happening? Oh, yeah, because the Neon Demon, at several points, I was sort of bored and like, come the fuck on, will you? And this one, um, I the, I only had a couple of come the fuck on, will you moments, and most of those were related to nudity. And <laughs> th- that's pretty much it. Everything else I was well up for. But... You know, the nudity can be overlooked when a woman is killed with a crossbow. <laughs> that crossbow death was hilarious because the dude standing next to her. I mean, as as you, you know, gentle viewer, as you can imagine, the quality of acting in this movie is not the best. And when this lady just out of 
fucking nowhere gets shot with an arrow from a guy with a feather earring from across the boat. She eats shit and falls down, and the guy standing next to her who was having a conversation just goes, ah, and then runs away immediately. And it's not Yeah, even... he does, like, a bit where he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, it's like he—it's like he was running over a cliff, and then he noticed that the ground wasn't there, and that's when he fell. It was just sort of like, "Oh shit!" and then he runs away. Um, God, listen, y'all, you've got to get on Shutter to watch this movie now. Oh it my is God. in. We are all of our descriptions are paling in comparison to the real deal. If anything, we're underselling Raw Force slash Kung Fu Cannibals. Uh, this was yeah. an unabashed fucking joy at several points to watch. Also, okay. it was also a grimace-inducing sadness at a couple of points, but that's okay. So, number 59 is Raw Force. So, speaking of <laughs> bugfuck weirdness, I want to talk about Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Staple, which, which is available on Amazon Prime and stars the incomparable Maiko Kaiji, uh, and is, I think, the third female Prisoner Scorpion movie? Uh, yeah, there are a couple of uh, other ones on uh, Prime. Um, and when and I, I made um, the uh, constant mistake that I always make and learn nothing from, where I um, watched Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable while I was at work. Um, oh, no. And, uh, Ryan, what are you doing? I'm a fool. I'm a fool. This is, like, the ghouliest of ghoul shit. Like, this is... Like... You know how people are like, hey, Grindhouse movies can get pretty grimy. Oh, sure. This is, like, hardcore. This is, yeah, no, this is the thing that you're watching this and kind of going, like, am I a bad person for watching this? Um, and it's funny because, like, I, um, I, I was, uh, I'm hashtag blessed because uh, my boss uh, walked by my desk um, during a relatively innocuous scene because it wasn't um, weird nudity or... Uh, anything that would get you called to HR. It was just, like, uh, a regular gore scene. And he immediately was like, Ryan, what, what the fuck are you watching now? And I just turned around and said, Female Prisoner Scorpion. And I started to finish it with Beast Stable, and he just held up his hand. I was like, that's okay, okay. And then kept walking over to his desk. Uh, he, he didn't so, need to hear the rest of the movie title. What I also love is within the first two minutes, Scorpion chops an art... <laughs> Chops a cop's hand off with a kitchen knife. Oh, he certainly does. The opening scene, um, the uh, uh, titular, like the character, the main character, Matsu, she's uh, sitting on the tube, like uh, just riding the train underground and like these uh, sort of. So let's talk about how she's escaped from prison from the previous installment and just riding the train like a norm. Yeah, yeah. She's just normcore on the train hanging out. She's not trying to like you know, cover her face or, or lie low in any way. And so these, um, the opening scene, these, uh, real serious looking, uh, cops, uh, plain clothes cops come up and she sees them and she's like, Oh shit. And she moves to like get away, but also you're on a moving train, Matsu. What the fuck? And, uh, the, the one guy cuffs her to himself, which was a terrible mistake because she lops his arm off. Um, when it gets caught in the door, and then and so, then runs through the street with a dangling severed arm handcuffed to her wrist in slow motion while the opening credits play over it, and it's uh, which is great because I love a movie that from Jump Street lets you know what the fuck it's about. Yeah, this is grisly shit. Mm -hmm. Also, later in the movie, she is kneeled in a in a cemetery, grinding the bone down to break the arm to get it off of her wrist right 
Um, and it looks like she's chewing it off as well. Yeah, and this movie, and it's funny because, you know, Female Prisoner, Scorpion, Beast, Stable, uh, made, what, 1973? I feel like so many, like, uh, you know, homages to Grindhouse have been made at this point, and homages to the homages, and everybody's sort of... I, I feel like at this point, everyone's mom has watched what's, what could be generously described as a Grindhouse movie. Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable is the kind of actual Grindhouse movie that you would have wanted to catch at, like, a grimy New York City theater on, like, 42nd Street back in the day. Because it's got... It's got fucking everything. Like, there's incest, there's, like, dismemberment, there's golf club shenanigans. There's a thoughtful, like, commentary on abortion and women's rights also. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about Which that. Which is, like, fucking nuts that this movie's like, hey, here's a, you know, incest plot, and here's a, uh, wh- a, a Bond villain who keeps crows in a cage. <laughs> yes. But also, here's a thoughtful commentary on a woman's right for <laughs> reproductive control. Yeah. And I, I What? And I mean, Roe v. Wade, by the way, was uh, decided the same year that this came out. Uh, and, Jesus! Yeah, and I don't think necessarily... I mean, maybe... Because this is a Japanese film, so I'm like, maybe they're not super concerned with American legislative decisions. But, I mean, maybe there was, like, an international thing going on with abortion because it wasn't, you know... It, it was still kind of a, a, a quiet thing circa 1973, which is why Roe v. Wade was such a huge thing. But, yeah, I gotta admit, I wasn't expecting any social commentary in Female Prisoner Scorpion uh, Beast Stable. The other nutso-butso thing about this is, um, this is one of what they call pink movies, because Japanese movies were really heavily censored with nudity. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's, it's, again, a very, like, topless, like, nudity filled movie and yet it is some of the least sexy oh yeah supposed to be sexy scenes i've ever seen because it'll be like oh yeah this person is topless but she's topless while she's talking about her mentally disabled brother that she's uh forced into prostitution to take care of because he can't work at the factory anymore because it's post-world war ii economic shambles japan that's exactly right and honestly i respect the fuck out of this movie for now here's the thing uh we talked about raw force which was just a bumper crop of titties flopping out 24 7 left right and center and then and it and in that movie i think it's meant to be sexy or titillating in any way um there's a lot of boobs in uh, female prisoner scorpion and it is uncomfortable it is. I, I love yes. so much that it's just not trying to titillate anybody. If you're the kind of person who would get off to female prisoner scorpion beast stable, I demand that you turn yourself in immediately. Um, it's it's such a weird movie because it's it's it, this is another movie that's it's almost like three different movies kind of squished into one movie. Um, yeah, it's like this gothic revenge plot meets this like thoughtful melodrama meets just like well it's and like a female prisoner movie and then Mm -hmm. the the um the elaborate plots how uh scorpion doesn't actually directly kill many people she like does these like i'm i'm 
losing my words. <laughs> she does these... Scorpion does these elaborate tricks where she gets people to kill each other. So she'll mm-hmm. set her enemies against each other in this like super clever way. And that's so amazing for this movie because it's... It is very straight up violent, Mm -hmm. but then the way that like she herself, you know, doesn't actually perpetrate most of the violence in the movie. You can still root for her because she's using her wits to survive more than she is like actually being heartless. That's a really good point. Like, and and the thing is, I'm kind of uh, from that opening scene where she dismembers a cop. I'm pretty much on her side. Whatever happens. But that's, yeah, she's, and the thing is, it's not quite an, it's not an exploitation movie. Um, And I feel like in the wrong hands, this would have absolutely been either a rape revenge or an exploitation movie or like series. I, and, and the thing is like, especially, you know, if horror responds largely to like cultural anxieties, this movie is not concerned with the kind of things that like Miss 45 or... Uh, I spit on your grave is really really worried about it's god kind of about like a like bodily autonomy in a lot of ways with female prisoners yeah like what can you do yourself and like how do you become your own person yeah and in a weird sort of way and she also just wants to be left alone like, yeah, she wants to work. She has to work in the sewing factory that's owned by the Yakuza. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she honestly would rather just keep her head down and work. And I mean, like, she gets herself arrested to get revenge on somebody. Yeah. So she goes back to the prison that she escaped simply to gaslight a prisoner and serves like on a really minor misdemeanor and then gets back out again yep um so she really wanted to get that revenge like at that point yeah yeah, it's worth it and that scene like the end i don't want to spoil it because it's just so fucking good Mm -hmm. that it's very satisfying but like the end like once the machinations at the end like totally go the way they're supposed to and everyone gets their comeuppance i just like you know, high five the air, like jumped out of my chair and did a little dance because it's just so good. Yep. Oh my god. And, and it's this is one of those movies that I'm I know I instantly after watching it I knew that I was going to be recommending this to like three different people I know who this is exactly their shit. Now I do think it is really important to let our listeners know, and this is something you'll have to put a warning at the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. A woman does get raped with a golf club. Yeah, and that's actually, I that's the thing that sticks out like a sore thumb for me on like, so what do I not like about Female Prisoner Scorpion? Like, I, I screamed no at my TV, <laughs> which means it worked, but, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, <clears throat> like, and it's not, and, and it's played to be brutal and terrible, and... In a movie with, like, you know, dismemberment, I even even for all of the dismemberment and all of the craziness of this movie, that felt like an odd moment where I'm like, oh, let's, oh, can we not? It's It does seem like a movie where so much is thrown in. But another thing that I'm really impressed about is I feel like movies like this and um, Delinquent Girl Boss and all those kind of pink movies from this time period 
are really why we have so much of the, like, I don't think we'd have Takashi Miike or Guru manga mm-hmm. without stuff like this <clears throat> first, because it's that tradition of, oh, we've got to top that crazy thing, and this is so crazy from the 60s that that's why Takashi Miike is like, all right, I guess this is all that's left to do. So it's like... Yeah. Well, and the other thing as that a I... fan of Karate Robo Zeborgar and Takashi Miike movies mm-hmm. and all kinds of nutso butso Japanese stuff, like we couldn't have it because these folks had to go this insane this early on in their cinema to like break down these codes that we get even crazier. Tokyo Tribe would never exist if we didn't have. Uh, female prisoner scorpion movies man that's a really good point and especially like yeah they had to go so gonzo and then like self-immolate so that then guys like takashi Miike could wander by and, and scrape out the parts that they like and i think uh one of the things about uh, female prisoner scorpion be stable that made me think of takashi Miike was like the nonchalance with which people's bodies are getting hacked up yes like, it's not treated, because I feel like um, American um, sleaze movies from, like, the early 70s, I feel like they use a lot of music cues to tell you that what you're watching is crazy and gross. This movie doesn't give a fuck. Like, it just, it happens, there's no sound cue for it, it's just as easy as sneezing. And, like, Takashi Miike, like, this, parts of this reminded me of Ichi the Killer, where it's just, like, the most common, and, like, it's horrifying. Like, Takashi is not trying to tell you that like, the boiling water scene or the needles in Ichi the Killer are, like, a good or normal thing. It's brutal in a... It's almost kind of like a like like a banal sort of brutality. Yeah, yeah. And definitely this is also, like, this is her way of life and yeah. this violence, which is fascinating because it's juxtaposed with this uh, prostitute who's forced to get an abortion... And, well, there's the, and that weird juxtaposition of the prostitute who the um, pimp boss forces to get an abortion and the other prostitute who chooses to get an abortion and the showing of both of them at the same time and, like, showing the one in the waiting room and the other being strapped to the table and, like, put in the stirrups and, like, you know, even showing the uh, doctor force a speculum in her mm-hmm. versus the other that shows nothing. And, like, that layering effect. And yeah. it's just... It's nuts. Yeah. And it's... In in less deft hands, this would be a fucking train wreck and it would be completely untenable. Right. But it's so artistically made. Like, it's, a, it's an actual piece of filmmaking craft... It's super fucking good. I totally agree, and I feel like certain movies like Sukiyaki Western Django kind of do homages to this sort of, like, this time period and this, like, weird gonzo movie. And I feel like... Now, and here's the thing, you know, on this podcast we've talked about uh, homage movies like Pool Party Massacre and other, you know, a whole bunch of other movies because we're um, obsessed with old movies and time periods. And... I feel like none of those are going to get at the kind of raw insanity and, like, interesting shit that um, Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Able pulls off. Like, it almost necessarily can't, because if somebody in 2017 made Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Able, I'm wondering if I would be so affectionate. 
Yeah, and it's like... I think what you have to do now is you have to make stuff like MFA. MFA pulls it off, oh, yeah. but it's because it's sincere. I think that we're in... We got so deep into postmodern detachment mm-hmm. that we had to come out the other side and now everything has to be super sincere. That's a really... And yeah. I don't think Female Prisoner Scorpion could be made in the 2020s because it wouldn't come across as being sincere. Yeah, because it would come across as somebody trying to make an... And not even just the, like, trying to make an homage to it, but, like, the the stuff that happens in Female Prisoner Scorpion and the points that it's making and the way that it, it sh- the way that it's shot, all of that stuff. I feel like if someone made that now, I would just... I don't know. I, I don't know how I would react. You'd say, this is a parody. This is a joke. Yeah. Like, it's so extreme, it can't be sincere. And that's the thing, is, like, it's just the most extreme it can be on every level. I would, Ryan, yeah. a man is murdered with a crow <laughs> that pushes him out of a window. It's fucking great. That crow death, by the way. Could we talk briefly about the crow death in this? Yeah, she shows up and says... <laughs> Fuck, I forget what she even says. It's just like, screw you, and like, lets a crow fly out of her hand, mm-hmm. and it pushes him with its little feet. <laughs> and then he, and he falls to his death. And it's, yeah, I that was actually when I, I got up on my couch and was like, what the fuck? Just, it's, it's incredible. Because, yeah, like, if someone made this in 2017, I would roll my eyes and be like, yeah, I fucking get it. Jesus. Um... And yeah, it's honestly, I kind of can't recommend this enough. But then, like, side note, you know that thing about how on our list uh, that we have, um, like, the first 20 or so, I would say, are, like, stone-cold classics that everybody and their mom should probably see? This is a caveat. This is, Uh if you're ready to hang keep going yeah this is this is when if you're on i mean and and this isn't even like a gatekeeping thing i think it's just if you're not into some real ghoul shit and you're not into seeing bizarre extreme like you know sort of early extreme japanese horror you're probably not going to have a lot of fun watching this yeah Um, yeah if you don't like extreme um i think the the tag on um shutter is mondo like if you're not into that and that's a completely respectable thing sure. you probably pay taxes and are a good human being mm-hmm. but if you're a ghoul like ryan and me this is gonna go pretty high on the list absolutely uh i fucking this honestly it's not i, I don't know if it's my favorite thing that i've watched for the podcast but i'm i'm not even bullshitting you after i finish this movie i actually like like at the at the last reel i whispered i fucking love this podcast (laughs) because like where else would i have gotten to be made aware of female prisoner scorpion beast stable i really want to watch more of these movies i don't know how many of them actually can be ranked on this this is Mm -hmm. barely a horror movie it's not a horror movie it's a it's like a Actually, what is this movie? Um, I was going to say it's not a horror movie, but now I can't really quite say that. It's like an action, thriller, horror, mystery, revenge. It's exploitation. It's it's Takashi Miike's Run, Lola, Run. That's what this movie is. That's it's, But made uh, 20 years earlier. Yeah, yeah, made before Takashi Miike um, ever held a camera. Um, 
man, I see the thing is trying to rank a movie like Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable. I kind of want to immediately mash this up with like, okay, which is better? Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable or Curious George, a Halloween Boo Fest? Which of those? It's female prison. <laughs> so uh, maybe I'll make this easier. Uh-huh. We've talked a lot about Mike. I'm looking at audition, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering: oh. does it go above or below audition? Ah, uh, see, now, I and think this it is... says more than audition. Um, I don't. I mean, maybe I, I do think like both of these. I mean, both of these are movies with like all caps something to say, but. Now, the thing is, it's like comparing Jimi Hendrix with, like, Joe Satriani or something, where it's like, which of these are a better guitar player, when it's like, well, the one wouldn't have really existed without the other. And also, one of them is, like, pro, like sort of protean, almost, and the other one is more refined because it learned from the previous one. Yeah. So, like, how, how do we... Dis- yeah. Well, okay, so... Let's- Above audition is Ginger Snaps and Phantasm. Ooh, okay. I don't think this is better than Ginger Snaps. No, I don't think the... I think this has a very fascinating female message, but I don't quite know what it is. (laughs) Right. And Ginger Snaps has a thesis, and it's a good thesis that needs to be heard. It's a great thesis. And then also Audition has a thesis about, um, you know, sort of societal expectations of um, wives and the creepy shit that men are allowed to do if they're, like, in a position of power. And it has an understanding of power dynamics that I feel like Female Prisoner Scorpion kind of doesn't worry itself See, about I was so going to say, that's exactly the same movie. It's about power dynamics and expectations and pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. as ghoulish as it is, this woman is letting her brother rape her to because she's got to take care of her family and yeah. that's like she says like because he tries to attack um scorpion and she almost murders him and he's like pull and she's like please don't kill him he hasn't been the same since his brain got damaged mm-hmm. so if he doesn't attack me you know I, I let him attack me to get it out of his system so he won't attack anyone else jesus and like the yeah it's fucking ghoulish horrifying but there's something to be said about that idea that it's like family obligation and then you know she has to decide if she's going to abort her incest baby god Mm -hmm. damn that's hard to say out loud yep that's a thing that happens in it's a thing that happens in this movie though but it's played in it's played in such a not isn't this fucked up way but a thoughtful what is this saying about our society that these kinds of things could happen yeah and it's also like this is just matsu's life and, this and is the, the shit she worries about is before this lunch sympathetic character mm-hmm. yeah like because the scene with the snail he is playing with this snail and like is this loving you know pure person but then the next scene is in bed with his sister and she's sleeping with that knife and can't decide if she's going to murder her brother or not right and you kind of i i I found myself wishing that she would just pull an of mice uh, of mice and men with her brother and just like listen man stop putting yourself like like just do it like your family will be okay without you just get the fuck out of there 
Yeah, but I mean, that's what, that's where Scorpion comes in. She's like, I can't do it, so you have to do it for me. Yep. And Because you have no problem cutting. And, and in a way, like, Scorpion becomes to her this supernatural being because they meet each other in a cemetery mm-hmm. and she's crouched down scorpions crouched down like a ghoul like a you know demon gnawing on this arm and carving it away by rubbing it against a headstone until it breaks off yeah. also later a dog unburies that arm and just chews on it on a sidewalk and nobody bats an eye yeah no one's no one's getting worked up about it so yeah so this movie jesus christ um so here's I honestly would put it I don't we put ourselves in a real pickle. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to get out of this book and a syrup. Um I don't know that this is better than Phantom of the Paradise, but I do know in my bones this movie is better than Children of the Corn. Yeah, yeah, it's defo better than Children of the Corn. Have you seen Phantom of the Paradise? Oh yeah. Like man, although do you think it's better than Phantom of the yeah. Paradise? So, here's the problem. Mm-hmm. Fan of the Paradise is a really good movie. Yeah. But it's not really making a kind of cultural statement, except rock and roll is real crazy, isn't it? <laughs> that's a, that's, and that's a good And although it's saying rock and roll is really crazy in a succinct sort of way, this movie is trying to say this grand socio-political statement, and does it really get there it doesn't stick the landing mm-hmm. but god bless it for trying yeah and actually and, and I, sometimes i think especially with this kind of movie mm-hmm. the more tough to suss out movie mm-hmm. might be the more successful film yeah and and of course like not that Female prisoner scorpion has freaked me out Yes, I felt like my brain had gotten like pureed after I watched this. I I had to go sit down after sitting down, um, and of course, like not that a movie needs to have like you know something to say because like Return of the Living Dead is is above ginger snaps and it's not making any particular comment about punk culture or anything. Um, but you mean this isn't a costume? This <laughs> <laughs> is the way, way of life. This is the way of life. Um, which, by the way, side note, I love that that guy, um, the guy that plays the, the, the leader punk who, who gets eaten by the tar man, apparently was just the biggest fucking sweetheart in the world. Yeah, it's really sad that he died. Oh, suicide. His name was suicide. Um, he, did, he did not commit suicide. I think he died of a health thing, but apparently everybody was really sad about it. Um, so, I, I, you know, I feel pretty good about putting Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable above Phantom of the Paradise underneath Audition. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that Mike um, kind of let those ideas percolate a little bit more, and I think it says something a little bit more uh, succinct. But damn, this is a good movie. Yeah, it's sort and of like it's if sort... you are into that sort of thing, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, and asking if it's better or worse than Audition, which is a more technically accomplished film, but maybe not you know as raw and full of bizarre shit. It's like asking like, so which would be worse, getting shot with a precision bullet between the eyes or a spray of shotgun pellets to the face? Like, wh- which would you rather have? And it's like I, I know they're both really uh, intimidating. <laughs> so we don't have much time left. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Daguerreotype. Okay, so Daguerreotype um, is a French-Japanese joint motion picture 
Um, and it was uh, directed by the guy that did uh, Pulse, uh, not the American version, the good one, uh, Kiyoshi Kur uh, Kurosawa. And I hate this movie. By the way, this is on VOD, uh, out now. Um, the screener was provided to us by the production company under the Milky Way. They're very kind folks. Thanks, guys. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I really do appreciate it. Um, but Daguerreotype, um, so the plot of the film, it, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, evoking this sort of uh, gothic tradition thing where it's uh, there's this uh, fashion photographer guy who um, he's like a world-renowned photographer that hangs out in the Paris suburbs um, with uh, his daughter and his wife died years and years ago, so he's been using, um, he's been doing daguerreotypes uh, with uh, his daughter, and she has to, like, get propped up with all these weird uh, things to keep her holding still for the daguerreotype, and uh, then this uh, young, dumb fella uh, from, you know, fr fresh out of Paris, um, he takes the job and he goes to be an assistant uh, for uh, the, the world-famous photographer, and then it devolves, in, it's, it, it devolves into a thing, the long and the short of it. Um, he tries... Um, the, the young fella really wants to live with the guy's daughter and wants to, you know, sort of, like, marry her and stuff. But then you find out, like, whoa! She, okay, um, I, sh I shouldn't spoil it, probably, should I? No, because it's a brand new fucking movie. That's right, that's a good Just point. Just tell me why it's spooky in two words. It's not. That's technically three words <laughs> because of contractions. Um, so, is not. Um, this movie is the least scary movie I might have ever seen in my life in the regard that nothing happens. Like, okay, imagine... Um, is it supposed to be scary? It, it's, it's meant to be unnerving, and it's meant to be a slow burn, atmospheric... Uh, you know, jump scare free thing that leaves you, you know, questioning the nature of memory and of, uh, you know, nostalgia and for the people that you love that have died and all of this stuff. And the problem is that you can't meditate on any of those fucking things because you're, you, you look down 10 years older than you were five minutes ago and you realize that only a minute has passed on this movie because it's people standing around like pieces of furniture commenting on absolutely nothing. And then eventually it ends. I mean, it's literally about a type of photography where you have to stand still for an hour and they have to construct Ooh. equipment to make a character stand still. <laughs> right. And so, like, by, de by design, Daguerreotype is like, oh, sure, it's going to be uh, a real grown-up slow burn movie. This also goes in the Royal Dansk Butter Cookie tin full of sewing supplies that you don't have to worry about for, like, horror that your kids might watch they will turn this off in the first minute. It Now, the thing is, I love Pulse so much that I was thinking, like, okay, so Kiyoshi Kurosawa, I was wondering if maybe because it's, like, a joint French-Japanese production, maybe he was trying to, like, class the joint up a bit and make a really grown-up, atmospheric, moody horror movie. And the problem is that there's just not anything really unnerving about it. Like, it's it's... There's very little music, so it's like, all right, imagine a Wes Anderson movie minus the quirkiness and the fun colors and the soundtrack and reduce the dialogue by half and also put it in, like, a haunted house. Yeah, that sounds like nothing. It's, it's, so, it's less than nothing. Other atmospheric, quote-unquote, grown-up horror movie, The Transfiguration, 
is number 136. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is... I, I think, honestly, this is better than the, 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 the Transfiguration because... Now, here's the thing. Kiyoshi Kurosawa is no dummy, and he's not some shit heel who just started making movies. There are, are like... Some shots in this that are really, really good, and re you can tell that he really thought about it. I don't get the... Now, just because I did not care for it, that doesn't mean that Kiyoshi Kurosawa didn't try to make something good and masterful. Um, I don't think that he just didn't show up and didn't direct it. I think he did, but the thing that he was going for is something fundamentally unwatchable. And now, and actually, this gets into an interesting question. Am I a spoiled little pop culture gremlin who needs constant blood spurting out of neck stumps and explosions? Like, am I just not grown up enough to watch a movie like Daguerreotype? So, I think a counterpoint would be, um, at least for me, is uh, House of the Devil is one of my favorite contemporary horror movies. Oh, I love it. And that is an example of... Oh. Nothing happening until the climax. Wait. And then everything happens. Wait, I thought you said The Devil's Candy for a moment. That was the one I was thinking of. I don't... I mean, that that is also a fairly slow movie, mm -hmm. but not in the same way. But yeah, like, House of the Devil is one of my favorites, and that is, you know, the slowest of slow bars. See, I, I powerfully don't care for House of the Devil, but I think that's just because I don't care for Ty West's uh, style very much. Um... But I, the thing is, I can also acknowledge House you of mean, the Devil. You mean, hey, remember the 80s? Yeah, yeah. Literally just, hey, guys, what if it was, like, the 70s? But it's the 70s. Um, and, like, Ty West, like, I I don't know. I hate mumble gore as a title for something because, I mean, genres are a trap. But House of the Devil, like, I can acknowledge the cool stuff that it's doing while also I would rather die than watch it. Um, and Daguerreotype, like... It's it's certainly not the worst thing I've watched for this podcast, but it's frustrating because I know what Kiyoshi Kurosawa is capable of, and it this was not that. Well, now I'm trying to look at this list and see what another actual slow burn horror movie that we've ranked on this is. Um, and we haven't done the innkeepers, I, I don't think, have we? Um, MFA, no, not no, really, not slow burn. Um, um hmm. The Hearse? Yeah, I'd say the Hearse, kinda. No, oh, but this is the ending is pretty big. Um <laughs> But this is way below the Hearse. Yeah. I now looking down the list, I would actually pair this with roughly Um Probably the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> Oh. Yeah. Eh. The the movie they made to try to lure the Zodiac Killer out of hiding. Um I I feel like I put those on the same level of do not care to watch again of just kind of like, well, that was certainly a thing and then moving on. And this movie, by the way, the fact that Daguerreotype, I watched this alongside Raw Force and Female Prisoner Scorpion Beast Stable, this was like uh having a dinner of like pure ghost peppers that you have to take that you have to consume through your eyeballs um a live porcupine and an unsalted cracker jesus oh crimson peak is a slow burn movie you get oh, a yeah, ghost at the beginning 
and pretty much nothing else. Oh, there we go, actually. I think this isn't as good as Crimson Peak, but I do think it is better than Ganso. Yeah, yeah. Then then there we go. So that's go. pretty good. Um, yeah. So right below Crimson Peak at number 109 is Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Daguerreotype. Shit, I'm just glad we didn't put a, a movie that some nice people gave us a screener for down all the way at the fucking bottom of the list. We've done it before. <laughs> we'll, and we'll do it again. Um, no, but no, but, no, but really, folks, do please, please keep sending us screeners because we've really loved some of them. Yeah, and some of them are rated really high. And again, I would like to say that, like, they can still put better than the Bye Bye Man on the poster. <laughs> Man, that's... And some chump will rent this from the Redbox because it says better, than better the Bye -bye scarier Man. than the Bye Bye Man. <laughs> if you've lost sleep over Chud 2, Bud the Chud, you'll love Garyotype. <laughs> Um, no, that's actually, this movie is, like, visual Valium. I, it was, this was a fucking slog to get through. Um, man. But, listen, I'm a professional, I will watch it for the podcast. <laughs> Do it for the podcast. It's true. So, hey, we're available on the internet. Uh, so if you want to hear our attempts at making jokes uh, to old Rick Ross songs mm. uh, or other such trappings, uh, we can be found on Twitter at RankinVileCast. Yep, and then also over on Tumblr, we can be found at RankinVile.tumblr.com. I am actually about to put up a revised, uh, new, completely up-to-date version of our giant list. Um, and also we reblog a lot of like weird gory horror movie gifs. We, um, yeah, we've got, we've got uh, a presence over there. And then also over on Instagram at just rank and vile. Um, yes. uh, so if you want the ghoul content, we're, you're, we're there for you. Which ghoul hey. content run entirely by Quincy because he's the, uh, he's the meat and potatoes of the Instagram account. <laughs> it's just because I, I sit and troll on Instagram. Hey, if you want some, speaking of ghoul shit, if you want some ghoul merch, El Jefe brand is sponsoring us. You yeah. can get 20% off of some particularly dope pins. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants horror mashup pins and enamel pins of the, um, the pilot from Alien and uh, the... Blair Witch Project stick. Yeah, uh, on my uh, big ridiculous punk jacket um, right now, I have the uh, space jockey pin from the first Alien movie. Uh, uh, Prometheus never happened. It's a myth spread by the liberal media. Uh, they've got amazing pins, and I'm actually going to uh, cop the two uh, Hot Fuzz pins of Nick Frost and um, Simon Pegg from that movie that they've got as enamel pins. Hell yes. So that's ilhefebrand.com. And uh, use promo code RANKANDVILE for 20% off your order. Uh, also, um, because Lapel Yeah owns WrestleCrate, sometimes you can get extras. And I need to actually check this before I put it on wax. Because it might not be the case anymore. Yep. Uh, but they had um, Halloween shirts left over from WrestleCrate on sale. Dude, they got some new shit. Holy shit. They have Wrestle Tattoo designs. They have Stink. Uh, they have Sting and a Gorilla. Yes. Holy fuck, they have a new um, Abdullah the Butcher pin. 
Oh yeah, they do. They also have. Uh, oh my god, they have a they have a um, Brody uh, kingpin. Oh, Bruiser Brody. Yeah, with like uh, skewers in its face. Oh shit. Oh, and, and they have Rocky Romero as uh, Tiger Dark. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, they do. So go to Lapelia, use code Rank and File there. You can get a Frankensteiner T-shirt that is Scott Steiner as Frankenstein. <laughs> Yep, and they've also got um, two pins that you can get in a set for eighteen dollars. That's uh, it's uh, one says best, the other says friends, and it's uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. This was made by Kate Frey, who on Twitter, of course, is uh, at Make It Loud. Um, it's fucking great, and uh, I desperately and also they interlock the the best friends uh, uh, banner beneath the pins. And listen, folks, a bunch of their pins are on sale right now. Uh, you can get a glow pin for $5, and then you can get 20% off with our code rank and file. So that's, like, insultingly cheap. <laughs> so definitely take advantage of that, and remember to use the promo code rank and vile, all one word. Have a great week, kids. Yep, take it easy, folks.